It is Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. Welcome to another edition of Baseball Today. I, Trevor Ploof, am your host today. C. Rosie is off being a good dad, watching his son Brady play some ball. In his stead, we have the one, the only, Jake Talkin, Story Alley, huge Diamondbacks fan, and also producer Dan along for the ride. Jake, what's up, my man? Thanks for filling in. How are you doing this fine morning? Trev, I'm number one baseball today fan in the world. I, I filled in for you. Was that last week? And for me, that was easy because, you know, a couple old ball players. I, I, you know, just had to fill the role, play my game. Filling yeah. in for Chris Rose is tough. I mean, that's, well, you know, I'm filling in for Chris Rose. I, oh, so I just have to be you again. Yeah. Oh, that's money. Then we're good. Just be a handsome, successful ball player, ex-ball yeah. player. That's You'd, it. Uh, not not to tease too much of our interview with Boone, but we had to lay into him a little bit. And he kind of gave me a little bit of like, let me know when you're the manager of the Yankees guy. So kind of like that. We're we're there. We're there. Okay. Let's start the show up. Tip of a cap, as we always do to some guys who did some fun things, but didn't make the show. Henry Davis of the Pittsburgh Pirates made his debut last night. He went one for three with a walk in his debut. Tip of the cap there. And Scherzer, our guy, gets back on. He goes eight innings pitched with four hits, one earned run in eight case. He needed that start, and so did Mets fans. Tip of the cap to both of you. But let's start out in the West Coast. Mm. We had some late-night West Coast action, and the Giants played the Padres too. That's a joke. Yaz walks it off to give San Francisco its eighth straight win. The Padres are now two games under five they They're eight and a half back of the D-backs. So, Jake, here's the question. Is this a three-team race for the NL West now? To win the NL West, is it a three-team race? N- no. No, I'm not selling Padres stock yet. Um, I-, I know we're going to talk some MVP in a little bit. And guess, guess a couple of guys that are two good weeks away from being in the NL MVP conversation. Soto and Tatis. Soto and Tatis, okay. So, like... And and I know they're back and they've been playing and that hasn't necessarily changed the course of the Padres. Um, I I still think they have some go in them. I think their flaws were were shown in a big way and I, I think they're starting to address them a little bit, a little Gary, uh, you know, waiting for Tatis to start the season. At a certain point, you do just have to start winning ball games and I I think the Padres were without Hater last night and you know we're we're talking. You're talking an extra innings game, and by the way, Trev, you know who was a uh, covers baseball for their job and was up late on the East Coast watching that game finish. Yeah, yeah, my tweets out there, um, and watching Yaz go in the drink. That was so sick, man. Uh, and I'm just, I, I guess, more of a wrench is the Giants. I didn't know how involved they would be, uh, and they have announced in the past two weeks that they are not only are they at the dance, but <laughs> They're going to they're gonna story Ellie dance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the Giants are the team that kind of surprised everyone. I guess the Diamondbacks are in that vein as well. We both had them under 73 and a half wins. How did you go under on the Snakes? I guess uh, I should have asked you. But I'm with you on the Padres. Eight and a half games out. The thing is, they've been horrible in one-run games. Five and 12 in one-run games. They're 0 and 6 in extra inning games. So some of that stuff will level out. I do believe that it's too early, really, right now uh, to 
put them to bed in the NOS because of the talent they have on the roster, but it does make it very hard to jump three teams. I mean, the Dodgers are going to be there. In fact, a lot of the Vegas books right now have the Dodgers still as the favorites to win the division. Sometimes they know what they're talking about. Uh, so look, Dodgers are going to be fine. I think they're going to make some upgrades in the bullpen. That's been their Achilles heel all year. Uh, the giants that, you know, they, they're, they're a giants team. Uh, Farhan, he puts together a bunch of average to above average major leaguers at every single position. And that's what they do. Like they're just a good baseball team. We know about their coaching staff. They're looking for all the little, um, they're looking to gain the advantages where they can. And they've been able to do that. I mean, they were sitting at 500 eight games ago. They've won eight in a row. Now they're eight games over 500. So like they're kind of just getting in the mix themselves. And I don't think the Diamondbacks are going anywhere. So I, I do think it is still a four team race. Although if we can't figure out how to win those one run games or, or get some of these extra inning games, I mean, that says something about a team. So if they can't figure those things out, then maybe in a month or so, I'm speaking differently. I want to see what happens at the trade deadline. Uh, Cause I think that's the most telling part of the season, but I agree with you. I think we're still, Still four horses, and unfortunately, those rocks are not involved in this race. Mm. And that's that's why I'm not selling Padres either, because you know they're going to be buying. They've already bought their whole team. Like there's there's not really guys to trade away. That I think you try to tweak at the deadline. And by the way, like you said, with the Giants, we're still in that. I know it seems like we're so deep into the baseball season, but we're still in like a ten game span can change the rest of your season's outlook. And, hey, if the Padres can survive this Giants series, which, hey, got off to a tough start, right? Um, but they do finish with Darvish and Snell. Then they play the Nationals in Pittsburgh, who hasn't been the same team since April. So we could be sitting here talking about a different Padres team in 10 days where their weakness has been hitting. And look at those top guys in the lineup. It's got to change. Got to change. Why did you take the under on the Snakes again? Uh, that was a happiness bet. Uh, oh, that's right. You I like do, to do that. You're hedging do, your happiness. I do that with sports where if the snakes finished above that, that meant it was a good year for the snakes. So I'm win-win, baby. Okay. I, I like that. I should start doing that because then when I'm wrong, I can say, oh, I'm just doing it because I want to be happy. Yeah. I, when I say win-win, you do lose money, but uh, it's win-win. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Joey Votto. I mean, let's first of all, let's just give some claps. Joey Votto making his uh, 2023 debut. Uh, hits a homer. I think he drives in three. He returns, hits the bomb, helps the Reds take possession of first place in the NL Central. I'll say that again. The Reds, the Cincinnati Reds, are in first place in the NL Central. We both, and Jimmy, took them to finish with under 63.5 wins. Give me the one player on the Reds you think deserves the most credits for making us look so stupid. Trev, I I told you on the amp, because, dude, there is a crazy list of options yeah a lot of them <laughs> I, I got it down to two which is actually three but i got it down to two that i wanted you to answer first uh because i as if you could check one of the boxes off for me that would help me in a big way okay i'm going kind of unconventional but i think it's so important to have someone like this on your roster i'm going with alexis diaz yes yes oh. why are you clapping for me let me tell you why <laughs> okay when you have a team uh, that's, you know, trying to compete for the first time and largely comprised of young uh, people. I mean, Alexis is young himself. Uh, it's very important that when you have a lead, you have a guy that can keep the lead. If you start losing games at the end, uh, your bullpen starts blowing games, I mean, the momentum and, and the, the feel around the yard is so different. 
If you have a guy that can come in and just close games down, you're able to, to sustain winning streaks. You're able to win series. And that's so important for a young team to just have that confidence. He's had basically like one hiccup uh, this entire season. It was April 8th against the Phillies in Philadelphia. He gave up three earned runs. Um, he's he's walked a few people, but he's been mostly just absolutely lights out. I think he has a 250 ERA plus, given the ball, game's over. So I think, you know, there are some people on the offensive side, some of these rookies that have come up, McLean and Steer and, and Fradel, and, and they've had some good performances elsewhere. I think the most important part of the team so far has been Alexis Diaz. Trev, that, that was one of my two that, um, you know, I'll, I'll give my top three at the end, but 19 for 19 and save opportunities. Like, guess what? If that's, if that's 15 for 19 for where we are at this seat, at this point in the season, the Reds might be below 500 and we might not be talking about them. And you and I, former players, we know that momentum is real and a blown save. God, that can, that'll pop the tire faster than anything, right? Like you had a win that your guy that you believe in more than any other pitcher on the team to close the game. He comes in and he, and you go from win to loss like that. And then you're losing. Maybe you haven't won nine in a row right now. Um, and it's also so important because we're not going to mention a lot of the other guys in that bullpen that have been killing it, but their starting pitching hasn't been good in this winning time, which goes into my analytics that, you know, I've been talking about on talking baseball, that if you can hit the ball, you're all right in 2023 baseball, because there's going to be someone out of the pen throwing something gross and it might get you through an inning. So I love the Alexis Diaz pick. He was one of my final two. I broke it down to. Uh, the bronze finisher, and it's brutal. Spencer Steer, who now is going to get moved around, and he's only hit for the Reds. He gets screwed because America's position is the shortstop, Trev. And I'm not even talking Smelly De La Cruz, although how nasty he's been. It's Matt McClain, dude. We've yeah. we've been seeing this Ellie De La Cruz hype train. Like, dude might have the best PR team in the world, that a Cincinnati Reds prospect has just been all over our feed and everywhere we turned, even before he got called up. They called up another shortstop who's been playing mostly shortstop, although I know he played a little second base the other day. And Trev will put me over the top, 23 years old, an orange California guy uh, that you know I love those Cali boys. UCLA playing shortstop listed at 58180. 5'6". So, so uh, Matt McClain... <laughs> has casually come in, taken over the shortstop role, that guess what? Here's some Yankees BS. Anthony Volpe, the kid who has promised everything, and, you know, I, I still think he'll be great. He's had some real struggles. Matt McClain, 128 OPS plus, picking it at shortstop. That's that's the guy that I'm going to pick uh, as my Reds underrated MVP. He's been great. And, and look, I talked about all of us picking the under on the Reds. I am happy for this team. Look, you bring these young guys up and they're producing right away. That's it's incredible. Uh, you mentioned the starting pitching; it has been so-so for them. They're they're still trying to figure that whole thing out. Hunter Green is now on the the injured list as well, so they're gonna have to piece together some people. Shout out Abbott for coming up and having yeah. the longest score this streak to start an MLB career for a starter. Like, what's that about? I think that's the thing, though. Like, I don't even feel that bad for picking the under because I'm famously like skeptical about prospects. And if you have to bring up like six dudes, I'm going to be really skeptical skeptical about your team until I'm not skeptical. They're slapdicks until they ain't. Blake Snell, quote it. 
But these guys have come up and just, they played great baseball, energetic baseball. And that's what we've seen around the league is young, energetic teams. Even with the Giants, uh, Yaz last night after he hit the homer said like these young guys that have come up, I think they have seven rookies on their team right now as well. These young guys that have come up have pushed us veterans. So, I mean, we're seeing that around the league, man. And that's a diff that's a different that's different talk than what usually happens. Hey, come up and shut up and do your job fit in with the rookies, right? Not two anymore. Of, two of the teams that feel the oldest in baseball, and I'm sure the numbers back it up a little bit, both play in New York and both are not where they want to be right now. So I don't I don't hey, know what that is. Hey, this isn't talking Yanks, bro. Okay, Just, sorry. I was talking Mets there. I was talking Mets and uh, Brooklyn Dodgers. And you know today's episode is brought to you by Shady Rays. You got to take on the sun with gear built to last. Jake, did you hear that? I heard take that. Take on the sun with gear built to last. And even if it doesn't last or you just lose it or you break it, it doesn't matter because Shady Rays has the greatest product replacement plan ever. You just call them up and say, hey, guys, my shades broke, which they don't because they're durable. But if you sit on them with Chris Rose's fat bottom, they might. Or if you lose them, you call them up and they say, we got you. It's the most insane protection plan in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacements. You got to love it. And exclusively for our listeners, like you, Jake, you're a listener of baseball today, usually. Yes. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code TODAY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. I'll say that again, Jake, 50% off. That's half price. Two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Go to shadyrays.com, use code today, and you'll get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Do it. It's summertime. The sun is bright. Shady Rays is mighty. All right, let's change gears a little bit here. We'll stay on the East Coast, though. Stay on the East Coast. Down in Miami, your favorite city. Jake in Miami is probably a real treat. The Marlins smashed the BJs 11 to nothing and are now 11 games over 500, if you can believe that, too. I think I had the over on them, thank goodness. Luis Arise records his third five-hit game this month, putting him back at 400. He's slashing 400, 450, 940 on the season. So my question to you, Jake, where does he rank in the NLV, NL MVP race right now? And then give me what you think he ends up hitting on the year as far as batting average. I currently have a rise as third in the NL MVP. Um, there, there's an argument to be higher, but for me, Ronald Acuna Jr., um, the stat page is silly. It, it's so silly that just where we're at with baseball, you can't ignore that. And they're the best team in the National League. That um, He has 30 stolen bases, man. Like 15 homers, 30 steals. Uh the, the guy is a menace. He's leading in runs and total bases. Number two for me is Corbin Carroll. Um, and Trev, what's, what's Corbin Carroll's best asset? What's his, what's his wow asset? The hair. The hair and the speed. Yeah. Um, okay. Guess what Corbin Carroll's leading the National League in? OPS. Yes. Corbin Carroll, 5'10", 165. Want to get those real numbers? He's leading the National League um in slugging and ops so uh and that's with 19 stolen bases so i love what arise is doing and mvp by the way depending how far he carries these fish like i'm i very much have a little bit of that true old school sports fan in me that 
you know, say Corbin Carroll, if the snakes fade and Corbin Carroll ends up with eight war, uh, cause he does everything and it's incredible and say Luis arise finishes with six war, but he bats 390 in a Marlins team that doesn't that, that gets to the playoffs and nobody else really hits around him. Luis arise would be more important, uh, because he's the only cat. I mean, Soler deserves some loves De La Cruz, obviously, but chasing 400, that's a different beast. Um, I don't know, man. He he finishes hitting three seventy three just because I I'm I'm not gonna pick someone to hit four hundred until somebody does it. Like, and hey, if there's a guy that can do it, it is this guy, which that's pretty cool. You said three seventy three, three seventy three. Okay, I don't mind that. That's a hell of a year if he does that. Uh, for me, Luis Arise in the NL MVP. I also have Acuna at the top of my list. I also have Corbin Carroll second on my list. I think I'm gonna put Freddie Freeman above mm. Luis Arise right now. And I'm juggling Luis and Mookie Betts right now uh, for that four spot. I love what Luis can do. It's incredible to watch him hit. I was at a, a batting cage yesterday with Teddy's all-star team. And we had the TV going. We were watching the Marlins Blue Jays game. We watched him get his fifth hit. The boys are fired up about this. Young kids like this. Okay. So like, if you think that batting average doesn't mean anything, it kind of doesn't until you hit 400. They, I mean, they all know Luis Arise's name. They all were jumping up and down. They couldn't believe it. They think it's so cool. Uh, I like that aspect of it. Uh, right now, DraftKings mm. has Acuna at minus 140, Corbin Carroll plus 650, Freddie Freeman plus 700. It has Mookie at plus 1800, and Luis is a plus 25. So if you want to sprinkle a little bit on Luis Arise, if he does end up hitting anywhere close to 400 and one of these guys or a couple of these guys start to fade a little bit, He's got an outside shot, dude. I think the voters really will enjoy the story here. And if they do make the playoffs, 11 games over 500, like I mentioned, like, and he's a, obviously a big part of that. You could sneak in there. Uh, um, but you, th- you famously didn't necessarily agree with last year's AL MVP voting, but a guy broke a historic record. You break a record, you get people talking. That's a good way to win MVP. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. 400 is one of those things that I think it's it's nearly impossible to do, especially in today's day and age. And here is Luis Rise at 400 now on June 20th in the year 2023. And to answer my own question, mm. I think this dude hits – I think it's going to be close. I think he gets into September in the 390s, and it's an upward battle from there. But I think he, I think he ends up – Above 385, which is nuts. Hey, you give me a 3-9 in September, and it'll be almost more exciting than the judge home run race, I think. Because every at-bat you're just watching, yeah. and it just, uh, yeah, I understand that. Uh, do you think he has to be above 400 going into September to hit 400? No, I he's actually he showed me a lot in these past couple weeks with the five hit games like cuz you know if you're the opposing team you look at him and you say hey we can't let that guy get hits. That guy gets a lot of hits. Let's do our best to not let that guy get hits. And to still be able to put up five hit days and when you see it go from 4 to 3 8, you know, you know that and you feel it. But guess what? He doesn't care cuz he hits. Right now, we both love this stat. Uh, 15 strikeouts on the year, 21 walks. Feeling good. That's, I've never been able to do that 
with a baseball bat in my hands. So good for you, Luisa Rice. This is an interesting question. Okay, we're moving on to number four now. The Rays are set to host the Orioles. The Braves visit the Phillies. What divisional showdown piques your interest more and why? Trev, I'll, I'll be honest. There's probably a little bit of bias that sneaks in here, but I also think it's the right answer. It, it's the Orioles and the Rays for me. Um, I think there's only one team that can catch the Rays at this point in the AL East, and I think that's the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and it's, you know, the Orioles, the Orioles still feel really new to me. You know, they're, they're still discovering themselves. We've done, we've done all the stats with Adley. You know, this team, this team is a 90 plus win team, whatever it is. The Orioles are still getting better. Like Gunnar Henderson, your guy has just joined the party and he's fully like breaking out that I want to see how punch for punch the Orioles can go with the Rays. Cause I think that matters more to the AL East than the Braves and the Phillies. And this is a little, this is, I don't want to say backhanded at the Phillies. The Phillies have hit their groove. They've started to go. That's awesome. The Phillies made their run last year from the wild card. They're like, the Phillies are high-end talent. Put us in the dance. We'll tee it up against anyone and win on that given day. The Braves are just a wagon. Like, they're going to win the NL East in my mind because they've given me no reason to believe they won't. So that's why I'm going O's Rays. I love it. I love watching the Orioles. We talked about that Hayes homer where he uh, moonwalked to first yeah. base. I saw like a Adley mic'd up version and he was like, dude, you're running DB routes down to first base. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, we saw the same thing, Adley. We're, we're the yeah. same, right? Same. No? Okay. Uh, I'm going the other side. <laughs> I am. I just love this matchup. Phillies, Braves, classic matchup for me. And the reason I'm actually picking them is for one pitcher in particular, it's Spencer Strider going up against this Phillies lineup. He has absolutely owned them uh, throughout his career. Do you want to hear the stats against the Phillies for him? Sure. Four starts, 27 and a third innings pitch. He's only given up nine hits, five earned runs, or five runs, and that's been on three homers. Okay? Walked eight people, struck out 43. He's got a 1-6-5 against this team. But, but, my friend... He struggled as of recently. Mm. His last two starts, going up against the Mets on June 8th, four innings pitched, eight Ernie's. Only eight Ks. That's not really a Spencer Strider game, to be honest with you. Uh, I guess four innings pitched, eight Ks is decent. But uh, eight earned runs against them, two homers. And then last uh, his last time out against Detroit, five innings pitched, seven hits, five earned runs, three homers. So something's got to give. Before those two starts, Spencer Strider had a 2.97 on the year. After those two starts, he's got a 4.12. Spencer Strider doesn't like seeing a 4.12 when he looks up at the Jumbotron. Mm. And he knows he's going up against the Bra uh excuse me, a Phillies team that he's owned. Phillies have been going lately. They got Schwarbaum doing his thing in June. Uh guys are, you know, like this is a this is a really, really good lineup he has to go through, and he's done it before, but he's been struggling as of late. So I want to see who wins this matchup. Can the Phillies finally figure things out against him, or does Spencer return to form against one of the better lineups in the National League? It's just so interesting to me how that's going to happen. And I do think the Phillies have a shot at winning this division, and to do that, they have to win series like this and, and win them handily. Um, I, 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 It's just too early for me to give up on anybody, really, uh, in these races right now. You know, I think that the Phillies have an outside chance and it has to start with a series like this and going after a guy that they haven't been able to hit at all since he's been in the big leagues.
Trev, a players only question, and I, I don't know how far this will derail us, but and, and maybe it could be an amp portion after, but a pitcher like Spencer Strider that it's like, you know, that dude could show up and have 15 punches today. And it's like, that's it. Like he, he's done that. Um, Going back to like, say an old Tigers team, is it almost mentally easier to say you got Scherzer or Verlander out there and you know it's going to be tough and you're hoping to run into one? Can it be mentally easier to face those guys and be like, hey, we we get a couple here, a couple good swings, like that's a pretty good day at the office where, say, Doug Fister, who was on those teams, is a little bit of an easier matchup that you're like, I don't know. It, am I phrasing that in a weird way? Like mentally it's a little less challenging because you I, – I don't know. Well, you that one hit home for me because Doug Fister owned me until <laughs> I figured out how to hit him. It took me a long time to figure out how to hit that guy. He's tall. He's throwing those sinkers in on me, and then he would cut the ball away. It was just a – wasn't good early on. Then I figured out I'm just going to go up there and try to pull the shit out of this, and I did. Okay. And I, I think I hit I think I hit some homers off, and it was good. I guess to answer your question, I always love facing the best pitchers, even though I knew like chances weren't great for me, especially when you look at my numbers against Scherzer, look at my numbers against Verlander. And, and I knew those numbers too, but I love facing those guys because it was like the ultimate challenge. So why are you playing the big leagues? I want to right. play the best guys. I want to face the best guys. I want to be better than the best guys. Was it going to happen? Not usually not, but my mindset was like, I just love this. So I think there's something to be said about that. Hey, if I just work a walk, it's probably a good day today. If I get mm. a knock and then, a walk, like I'm yeah. sitting pretty, I get that. I just love the challenge. It's fun. Especially if you if someone owns you, it can be daunting. If you're going through a slump and you're facing a guy that owns you, it's like, okay, well, this slump's going to continue. But if you're like feeling pretty good and you're facing that guy, then you're like, all right, let's go. This is my time. And that's, just, it the, again. that's just the ups and downs of a, of a baseball season. Love it. Last one here, and Jake, we usually end on, you know, something light, something funny. Uh, we got a video here. Lourdes Grail Jr. making yeah. sand castles, or I guess dirt castles last night uh, when the Snakes were up 8-1. to one. They ended up winning that game 9-1 to one against the Brew Crew. Uh, again, we both had the Snakes under the win, so just want to keep mentioning that. What's your favorite dugout prank or, like, silly moment that you've seen in a dugout? Man, silly moment I've seen in a dugout. Yeah, you you end on these light, silly ones. That's not normally my lane. I'm kind of the yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, intense analytics guy. Um, you know what? I'll I'll start out wide a little bit. You know, I there's part of me that still likes the silent treatment. Um, I I okay. get it's bizarre, but I, it's kind of baseball bizarre, right? Like that that kind of can't happen in any other sport. And, you know, I think Shohei's first homer got the side of the treatment. I'm like, that's insane. Like what? Like this guy is going to be a folklore hero and you've got backup catchers, not looking him at after he hits his like first career home run. So I, I get it's weird, but there's part of me that still likes it. I, uh, to give you a good Yankee centric one. And I don't know if this counts, but Brett Gardner hitting the top of the dugout is still like one of the, one of the kookier things I've seen. Um, and you know, I, I guess there's some heartstrings attached to that. So I, I guess that's where I'll land. What, where are you going with this? Cause I, I was a little lost in this. I'll be honest. Yeah. It's the, the baseball dugout is such a different kind of environment. And before, like there were just microphones everywhere. It was a, it was a crazy place. A lot of things were said, yeah. things were done in there. Now there's cameras everywhere. There's hot mics. So you have to be really be careful. 
Uh, I do want to point out because people were commenting on this. Loris Guerrero Jr. was doing this in in with the Blue Jays as well. So this isn't yeah. like a, a new Artsy thing. Guy. He's been he's been building Dirt Castles his entire big league career, which is pretty awesome if you ask me. Uh, I'm I'm partial to a few different things. I don't love the silent treatment. Okay. Some of the old school stuff, like the the fire on the shoe, like I never got to do that. Like, although like I think I would like like to do that as long as nobody got hurt. You can't light like someone a, on fire. That's one of my They rules. used to do it. Yeah. So I never got to do that one. Um I, I sort of like the rally hat, like when it just becomes when we used to have these marathon games before the the runner on second base, you just wanted the game to be done. You yeah. would do anything. So the rally hat kind of got me in a major league baseball game because I famously hate amateur baseball. Uh, I only want to listen. I, I don't even like minor league baseball. I want major league baseball. Uh, so to see some of that leak into the big leagues was always fun. I think my number one, my go-to, because it's funny, a little bit disrespectful, and it can last for a long time, is the gum bubble on the top of the hat. It's like if you get it, executed the right way it could be up there for three innings and the guy has no idea and he might be acting cool and dug out dapping up dudes high fives laughing checking the stands out but he's got a freaking gum bubble on his hat i always used to try to get brian dozier with it i got him a few different times and the reason i would do it to him is he hated it mm. can't let me know you hate it because i'm just gonna keep right. doing it then and that door's open. Yeah, gum bubble came came through, and I don't know. You're you're right when it's executed right, and you got you know one of the pitchers is on the bench, and they've got him seriously talking about how his sinker's running and things like that. And you're like, dude, you're you're bubblehead right now. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's I start going into like some of the celebrate. Like I really enjoyed when the Orioles busted out the sprinklers. I, I love something something new. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I. I don't know. Dugout antics. That's uh, you know, that's not my game, you know? Yeah. You're so serious. Yeah. I do want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, shout out C Rose. We missed you, uh, mm -hmm. but you did a great job today. So for talking Jake for wonder producer, Dan Vork, I am Trevor Plouffe wishing everyone a happy Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow, Wednesday on baseball today.